0: able to hear me. There we go. Well, It's good to see each one of you here this morning. So good to, uh, to gather around God's Word together. I'm always excited to look into the Scriptures with you and, and see what God has to say to us together. So uh, it's a privilege to see you here today. Will you open up your Bibles or pull out a pew Bible in front of you and... Turn to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Luke 2, 1 through 20. We've been following the progress of angels throughout this Christmas story. We saw several weeks ago how the angel Gabriel showed up to a, an old priest named Zechariah with a message that he would become the father of the messenger who was going before the Messiah, John the Baptist. And then we saw an angel show up to Mary and tell her that she was going to be giving birth to Jesus. And then to Jesus' father, Joseph. And today, angels show up again, this time to a group of shepherds. And not just one angel, but a whole big army of angels. So uh, let's look at Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Friends, this is God's word for us today. God, thank you that you're always with us and that you're with us right now. Thank you that you can help us to hear your voice speaking in your word today. Open our ears to hear you, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is a pretty familiar story whether you've been in church every Christmas since you were born and heard it over and over again, or whether you've just watched the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you've probably heard something about the angels and the shepherd and the baby lying in a manger. It's, it's a story that we hear over and over again. And it's easy to overlook something in the familiarity of this story. We have these shepherds, and they're just doing their normal job on a regular evening. They're out on a hillside near Bethlehem, and their normal shepherd duties are watching over this flock of sheep. Probably a lot of the sheep are asleep. I think sheep lie down to sleep at night, don't they? I don't know that much about sheep. Anybody out there know they lie down and sleep at night? I think they do. Anyway, the sheep are there. Probably some of the shepherds are asleep. I'm guessing there maybe is like a little campfire to keep some of them warm, and some of the shepherds are awake and watching. Just a normal night. Ordinary people doing their ordinary jobs. We can relate to that, can't we? I mean, most of our days as good as life might be, are, are pretty ordinary. If I asked you, what were you doing on March 12th, 2001? You probably can't remember right off, can you? Or even, what were you doing last March 12th? Or what was I doing last Thursday? I can hardly even remember because day flows on to day. Our lives are pretty ordinary, aren't they? And that's probably what was happening here with these shepherds. They're just having an ordinary day. But at the end of the story, these shepherds have been transformed. It's easy to miss that in the big news of the baby being born and the angel choir, but what happened to the shepherds is really pretty amazing. They go from ordinary people on an ordinary night to just bursting with joy overflowing with joy. You could even use the word ecstasy for what they are experiencing. So full of joy, they can't even express it. That word ecstasy literally means to stand outside of yourself and look in. Like you're so overflowing with excitement and joy, you, you, you get a new perspective on things. And that's exactly what happened to the shepherds here this night. They have stepped out of their world and their worldview and suddenly are able to see life from the angel's perspective, from the angel's eyes. And they are never the same after this. They got a new perspective. Have you ever gone through a corn maze? You know what that's like if you've done that. It looks a lot like this, just a lot of pathways, a lot of corn stalks. Someone might tell you this corn maze is arranged into an awesome picture, an awesome design, but you could never figure it out, could you, just from walking along the paths. You just stick to your, your paths going right and left and you can't get the whole picture, this whole, the whole uh, uh, overview. Life is like that, isn't it? We just go day after day. We, we take a right, we take a left. We, we try not to get lost. We try to get to our goal. But we don't always get a chance to see it from the big perspective. And it's so hard to get a picture of of. Of the meaning of life, the larger meaning. In order to, to see the reality of the corn maze, you need to get up and above it, right? If you can get up high, like in an airplane, and look down on it, then you can see something like this. And see how amazing it is. See the Wizard of Oz? Got the balloon. We got Dorothy and her three friends there in front, and a farm, and the castle in the middle. That's pretty cool <laughs> to be able to see that from above. That's a new perspective. That's what the angels gave to the shepherds that night. They gave them a new perspective, that announcement that the angel brought. And then all those angels coming together to sing and worship. And then being able to confirm what the angel told them to see the sign that they would look for, that they would find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. All that came together to sort of lift them to a whole new dimension, to give them a whole new perspective. They saw not just a baby, but they saw that baby through the eyes of the angels. They saw a Savior, the Savior of the world, the Savior who could bring exactly what this world needs, hope and healing and forgiveness, a new chance in life. They saw the glory of the situation through the angels, Perspective, and they looked at it all from the angel's point of view, and they saw that at the very core of reality, at the very center of what this life is all about, is love, is goodness, is God's good plan for this world. And that perspective changed them completely. After that, nothing was ever quite the same. You know, Christmas is not just remembering that Jesus came. We do that at Christmas time. We remember the the baby and the manger and the camels and the, the wise men and all that that was mentioned in the drama this morning. But we also look forward to Jesus coming again coming into our lives in new and fresh ways, but also coming again at the end of history. Scripture tells us that we have a great hope, that Jesus didn't just come once as a baby, but that he will come again. He will come again, and he will make all things new. He will make all things right. He will solve all this Stuff that's gone so wrong in our world. And the new heaven and the new earth will be established with Jesus as the Lord of all. We look forward to that during the Advent season. That's why we remember that the baby Jesus was also the lamb who was slain for our sins. The one who washes away our sins. The book of Revelation gives us just a little peek behind that curtain. The shepherds got a little peek behind that curtain on that night. A little look at what is coming. If we look in Revelation, we get a little peek at that too. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation 5, 11 through 14. This is a vision that John was given when he got to peek behind the curtain a little bit and see what it will be like in that day when Christ comes again and makes all things new, a peek into the new heaven and the new earth. So uh, Revelation 5, starting with verse 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 I think what he's saying here is more than you can count. So many angels, you can't even count them. They encircled the throne, Jesus' throne, and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. That's giving us the ability to to look ahead to peek into the distance and to see the end of the story, a change in perspective. That angel choir that sang to the shepherds that night gave them a little peek at the end, and it gives us a little peek at the end as well, a new perspective. That's why we say during Advent over and over, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We want to get to the end of the story. We want to see the goodness that you're going to bring, and we're holding on to that hope. We are holding on to it. That's what Advent is all about. Well, that Christmas carol that we sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It calls them the Herald Angels. And contrary to what a lot of us thought when we were little, it's not, they're not angels named Harold. <laughs> they're angels who herald something. Herald meaning like they bring news. They bring good news about something. So what's the news that they're bringing? Well, it tells us back in Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 10, this angel that comes to the shepherd, the one that comes first, he starts out by saying to them, do not be afraid do not be afraid. You know, all through this story, wherever angels show up, they almost always start with that very message, do not be afraid. So I've been thinking about those words often during this Advent season because I've been reading these stories over and over again, and I've been hearing that word, do not be afraid, and it's It's really struck me as good news. Do not be afraid. I need that. I need that word. Do not be afraid. And I think our world needs that word so much. There is so much that we are afraid of right now. Afraid of terrorism. Afraid of economic collapse. Afraid of politics that seem to be swirling out of control with no good results, afraid of what the future holds, afraid of relationships that might be fraying, or we could probably make a long list of things to be afraid of. How good to hear that angel say, this is a message from God. Do not be afraid. Those words, those are words for us. That's a message for us, do not be afraid. And then that angel goes on and says, I bring you good news, not just any news, good news that will cause great joy, great joy for all the people. Not just the, not just the shepherds they are listening, but for all the people. That includes you. That includes our neighbors. That includes people way across the world. Good news For all people, the angel says today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That's good news, that the world has a Savior, that there is a solution to this world that seems in so many ways to be broken. That's hope that the world that we see today, sort of circling the drain, is not the end of the story. That good and love and, and redemption is at the center of the story of this world. We need to know that, don't we? The angels also talk about this news being for those on whom his favor rests, that it will bring peace to those on whom his favor rests. I like that word favor, don't you? Isn't it great to think about you or me being a person of God's favor, a person that God favors, a person that God especially loves and wants to take care of and is pleased with? What a great idea. What a wonderful thought that we and all people that God made are people on whom God's favor rests. You know, I think if we only knew how loved we are, how, how favored we are, how deeply precious we are to God, we could make it through anything. We would have the courage to face whatever life hands out. <clears throat> I read a A testimony this week from a Korean man named Seo Jung Min. You like my Korean pronunciation? You just say it with confidence, nobody knows if you're saying it right or not. Seo Jung Min. He grew up in an orphanage for part of his childhood years in Korea. His mother abandoned him there when he was just a few days old. When he was in elementary school age, he was adopted by an American couple and began a new life in a family in the United States, but pretty soon after the adoption became final, his parents got divorced. And then he went to live with his mom. She remarried, and then after a few years got divorced again. So by the time he was a teenager, he'd had a lot to handle, being an orphan and then seeing his family broken up two times through divorce. And he says that he wondered if he would ever find that feeling of security, that feeling that he wasn't about to be left alone in the world, and he carried this, this hole, this, this burden inside of him. One of his friends invited him to church when he was in his early 20s. And uh, just to be polite, because this guy was a friend, he said yes, he'd go with him. And then he went back again. And then he went back again, and he talks about one day, he, well, he says this. One moment, we were on the topic of angels, and the pastor was explaining to me how God uses angels to help people. I don't know what happened at that moment. I can't explain it other than it was like the most overwhelming comforting, awe-inspiring feeling of joy coming over every inch of my body. I accepted Jesus Christ that day, he says. And he began that day to write down every time he had an experience that taught him that God loved him, that showed him that God loved him. And he, he, he said that as of the, the time he wrote this this testimony down, he had over 68 pages worth of experiences showing him that God loved him, was at work in his life, and wanted others to experience what he did. If we only knew how much God loved us, God's favor, I think we could get through almost anything. And you know, those angels that we talk about in this story, they were not just active back then with Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. And they're not just in the future, someday in the heavenly realms when the new heaven and the new earth is finally here. Those angels are celebrating right now. Those angels are still a part of the reality that we live in. Hebrews 12 talks about the contrast between living under the old law and living under the grace of Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews in uh, in Hebrews 12 says that we don't live under that old law anymore, but instead in Christ this is what we have. He says in 12:22, "But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant." You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. What a picture. He's saying that is part of our current reality in Christ. Isn't that amazing? That's part of our current reality in Christ. And you know, Jesus said the angels are celebrating whenever someone comes to Christ. He said, he told a little parable that just like if a woman was to lose one of her valuable silver coins, she would sweep the whole house and search for it, and when she found it, she'd invite all her neighbors over and say, let's have a party, we got to celebrate, I found this valuable coin that was lost. Jesus said, God is just like that woman, that when someone repents and turns to Christ, that God calls the angels together and says, we have to celebrate. He says in Luke 15, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That song is being sung every day of our lives. Isn't that an amazing thought? That song is being sung every day of our lives. And if we discipline ourselves to hear it, if we learn to hear it, we can celebrate the presence of Jesus in our lives every day in all our circumstances. You know that, uh, that Christmas carol starts with the word hark. Hark, the herald angels sing. My great grandfather used to say hark when he wanted the kids to quiet down. Listen up. Hark! Nobody says that anymore, do they? Probably today if we were going to write this carol, we might say, listen up! The herald angels sing. Listen up! How do we listen up to the angels? Because if their music never stops, if they are organized not just into an army, but into a choir, how do we hear them? How do we tune in to that kind of celebrating hark because if we could hear them we would live with a sense of favor of God even in our saddest or our flattest moments how will we hark this Christmas slow down enough to hear what God is saying and maybe more importantly how will we hark in those ordinary days of winter that will come after Christmas, the regular parts of life, or when life really gets hard again. There's another Christmas carol, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, that often talks, that, that talks about, uh, in every verse all the way through, about hearing the angels sing. It came upon a midnight clear, it says, That glorious song of old, from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men, from heaven's all gracious King. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. That's how it starts out. And there's a verse that almost never gets sung. It's not in our hymnal. I I don't know if I've ever seen it except in the original uh, words that were written. It goes like this. Yet with the woes of sin and strife, the world has suffered long. Beneath the angel song have rolled 2,000 years of wrong. And man at war with man hears not the love song which they bring. Oh, hush the noise, ye men of strife and hear the angels sing. Hush the noise. Hark, he might have said. And listen for what God is saying to us this season. I think one of the other ways we can tune into that song this season is to sing. There's singing all around us at Christmas time. There's Christmas carols on the radio, in the mall, in your car, and we sing together here. So when you have the chance to sing this Christmas, really sing. It doesn't matter if you can sing or not. You may say, well, I I can't really sing. It's okay. The Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. So even if your singing is more like noise, it's okay. Because when we're singing and we are praising God, the angels are singing with us because that's their job. They love to join in anytime God is being praised. So we're going to sing in a few minutes, and I hope you'll really sing and listen for that message, any messages that God is sending you this Christmas. Let's pray. God, sometimes you lift the curtain just a little bit and you let us get a new perspective as we celebrate Christmas this year and then as we move beyond Christmas into a new year. Would you keep that curtain lifted a little bit for us? Would you give us the ability to see the big picture, to see that you are at work in our world and at this plan of yours is full of hope and God if there are those here this morning who have never entered into that plan of hope that you created who have never given their lives to you then i pray that you would touch their hearts give them courage if they're sitting on the fence and wondering is this really a good idea to give my life to a God that I don't really understand or know yet, then, Lord, just reassure each each of them, reassure each of us that in your arms is the best and safest place we can be, with you in the driver's seat of our lives. That is the best place to be. God, we give ourselves to you again. Help us to hear your voice leading us from this day forward. Amen.